Welcome to Master of Movies podcast, episode three. Whoever thought we'd get this far? Well, JB obviously didn't because he only gave me so much budget and unfortunately I spent all of it on episode two with uh, hiring Nicolas Cage who did such a lovely job for me and also the live studio audience who I actually had to pay to be there. So unfortunately that's why I could only afford C6 Steve to play the intro and he's fell on hard times, hasn't he? I mean, sounded like he'd had a drink to me, but oh well, thanks Steve. Nice one for that, pal. Uh, but, you know, that's not to say that we're not going to have fun on this episode, because we are. We're going to have a lot of fun. I've got a very special guest for you all who's going to come up later on. I actually uh, got him down the pub, which is always the best place to find your special guests. Uh, this is the first podcast I'll do in 2019. This is the future, guys. Uh so obviously, because of the fact that I haven't done one for a while, I've actually got a lot of news to round up. Some old, some new, but I'm going to throw it all in there anyway. And that's all where we're going to start, so let's get on with the news! We start this week with the announcement that Kevin Hart is hosting the Oscars. It's a surefire pick, this. I mean, literally nothing can go wrong with it. It's Kevin Hart, nothing controversial about him. Solid, safe as ours is pick. Let's move on! New Lion King trailer was also dropped. This film looks sure to cause a big stampede towards the box office. Probably the biggest stampede since the one that killed me faster in 95. What? Too soon? Sticking with Disney, a poacher has been forced to watch Bambi as part of his punishment. Going forward, I think we're to expect that Home Alone will be played for burglars and American Psycho for serial killers. The woman who married a dead 300-year-old pirate ghost has got divorced. People may think she was crazy for getting with the poltergeist altogether, but I think that's incredibly cynical. I mean, love is love after all, and besides, she's probably now entitled to half of his buried treasure. See, I bet half of you thought I would just shove a really easy pirate pun joke in there. Though it is reported a film might be getting made to depict the couple's unlikely story. I've heard it will be rated... I'm sorry, I just couldn't miss it. And finally, Kevin Hart is no longer hosting the Oscars. Fuck it, that's the news! Okay, on with the rest of the show. And it's time to introduce my very special guest to the show today. Now, it has obviously been the festive season, it's been Christmas, there's been many drinks had, and I had the pleasure of visiting many a a pub um, or bar and I met a gentleman who said that he could sell me a ventriloquist dummy and I just couldn't believe my luck. I thought, what am I going to do here? I've got no budget. This fella can sell me a ventriloquist dummy for £20 that I can bring onto the radio. I mean, it's just, you know, sometimes things just fall in your lap, don't they? So, without further ado, let me introduce Rory the Dinosaur! 
Hi, Rory. Now, obviously, for the viewers at home, what you'll need to understand is Rory is a mute. Uh, so, yes, that's what £20 gets you for a ventriloquist dummy. He doesn't talk, so you'll have to take my word for it. Is he, is, he is sat right next to me, and he is talking to me. So, Rory, what have you thought about the year 2018? Yeah? No, I, I completely agree, really. Yeah, it was a shocker. It was a shocker, that one. Oh, couldn't believe it. But yeah, that one was good. Yeah, no, you you bang on, Rory. Absolutely bang on. Well, obviously, you know, what more can be said about the year 2018 than what Rory has just said? I think he's hit the nail right on the head there. Uh, now, Rory, um, I've been told that you actually did some extra work. Is that true? Oh my god, in, in Jurassic Park 3, which one were you? No, no, no you weren't, you were the one with the egg. Oh my, well, ladies and gentlemen, I can't believe, I mean, I was nearly going to try and find this fella, give him the 20 quid, you know, back to take Rory away from me, but this is fantastic news. Oh, well that's made my day that, made my day. Well, thanks for being here, Rory. I'll obviously get your input as we go along. But for now, what we need to do for the boys and girls at home is go over the movies that I've seen. And there's been a lot of them. So first up, I'm going to talk about Solo, a Star Wars movie. This is actually the first time I've got round to watching this. I didn't go and see it in the cinema, sadly. I actually thought it was quite good. Uh, yeah, you know, fair enough. It's not the best Star Wars film ever made. It's not the worst Star Wars film ever made. Did it need to be made? Probably not. But at the same time, I quite enjoyed watching it. Uh, I know there was a lot of criticism about um, the portrayal of Han Solo. And you're always going to get that when it's a, a classic character being played by someone who's not Harrison Ford. But I thought he did okay with it. I, I don't see that there was that big a problem with it. It's just, did it frankly need to be done? It's, it was interesting, I suppose. It was it was well done, the film. But, yeah, it just leaves me... This is the kind of uh, debate we just had with the Fantastic Beasts film me and JB have just reviewed. Um, I just don't see the point in it. I think with some franchises, they go on for too long. Star Wars may be one of those franchises, although I did enjoy the last one in the main series. I just feel like if they just had the three originals, how much more they'd be revered. Think Godfather is revered because it's just the three. If someone then comes back and does another Godfather, is it going to taint how good the original trilogy was? I think there's an aspect of that with, with some franchises now. and uh, But it was okay. I'm giving it a 7 out of 10. I also watched a documentary with Michael Caine doing the narration, all about the music of his generation. It was called My Generation. It was one of the best documentaries I've seen regarding music. It was just fun. It was filled with good quotes from Michael Caine himself. And the music is just exceptional. It's my era of music anyway, so I was always going to like this one. I'm giving it a solid 8 out of 10. Next up is The Miseducation of Cameron Post. It was quite an interesting one, this. It's about a teenage girl who's forced into a gay conversion therapy centre by a conservative family. 
And obviously it's about how she deals with her sexuality, even though she's being told it's wrong. It's a really good performance from Chloe Grace Moretz, this, uh, who is the lead in, in the film. I just thought it was it was a good, solid movie. Quite an interesting subject. I gave it a 7 out of 10. I also watched Leave No Trace, which was about a father and his 13-year-old daughter who were living in the wilderness. It seems to be that the dad has gone through some sort of hardship and for some reason or another he can't deal with people, so he basically takes him and his daughter to live in the complete wild in some uh, park in Oregon. They obviously, at some stage, get caught and it's about their like rehousing into actual society and the fact that they can't deal with it. And it's all about like, a relationship between the father and the daughter. It's actually quite a good little dramatic film, this, that has kind of gone off the radar. I, I thought the two leads in this were fantastic. Ben Foster plays the dad and it's Thomasin McKenzie who plays the daughter. And it's just a really good, heartfelt, um, dramatic movie. Um, so I gave it a 7 out of 10. Also that came out recently was the Coen Brothers' new movie that's come out on Netflix. It's called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And it's kind of a six-chapter uh, movie, this. None of the chapters link in with the other one. It's, it's basically six separate tales of life in the Old West. Now, some of the episodes, some of the uh, chapters, I should say, are comedy. Some are dramatic. Some, I think, there's even musical aspects in there. And it's, it's re I, I really enjoyed it. Now, obviously, I know westerns aren't everyone's cup of tea. It's a lot more up my street. But I thought the fact that it went chapter to chapter and the dynamics in each separate chapter were different worked really well. You know, it follows a singing gunslinger at one point. It follows a a bank robber in another and there was a whole ensemble of people in it you know, James Franco plays uh, one part and it, it's just really good it, it had good humour, it had good drama, it had good action just all round really good film I thought I'm going to give this one 8 out of 10 also on Netflix Outlaw King which was about Robert the Bruce, this featured Chris Pine and it was quite a good little biographical film. Certainly not up to the standard of, you know, the comparisons are going to be made with this one towards Braveheart, I think, because it's a similar type uh, aspect, you know, Scottish fighting independence from the English in, in the olden times. But a decent enough movie. I don't think it had enough depth to really do anything, you know, like I, I thought, you know, I think Braveheart's a really good film. It had a lot more depth to it than this one did, but it was still a pretty decent uh, performance from Chris and a decent film all around, so I'd, I'd give it 7 out of 10. Coming on next to a film that I actually thought was one of the best ones I've seen uh, recently. It's a film called Blind Spotting, and it's about a guy who's on probation, is trying to reevaluate his uh, life and his relationship with his best friend, his girlfriend. Um, I thought it was really, really good. Honestly, this this was like proper good comedy in parts, a good bit of drama in there. It's got a really good meaning towards the end and, you know, total message galore as, you know, about this young guy who all his friends want to be into crime and he's trying to steer away from that. And his friend was actually really well portrayed by... 
Raphael Casal. And the main lead is Colin, who's played by David Diggs. And I thought both of them are exceptional in this. And it really is really authentic, really funny in parts. It almost reminded me a little bit of uh, Friday in, in some of the some of the bits. But honestly, this is one you you, you want to go and watch. This this is one of the better films of the year. Eight out of ten for this one. Now, if you know anything about me, you know I like westerns. We've already had one of them. And the other thing I really like is Denzel Washington movies. Uh, and The Equalizer came out quite a while ago, and this is the follow-up to that, The Equalizer 2. Now, it serves a purpose, I guess, but this is one of those sequels that very much feels like it just got made for the sake of being made. I don't see that it did anything spectacular that you thought, oh, I had to have a sequel of this. I thought the first one was okay, uh, and this one, it, it does follow on, but... As much as it is, a, it's a it's a pretty decent action movie. It reminds me of those old like nineties action movies that you kind of would be happy watching, but you just didn't really. <laughs> At the same time, you're never going to go and revisit it for the sake of it. Uh, a little bit like those old Steven Seagal movies for me. This one, the the action was good. It was pretty well presented, I guess. The good bit towards the end, really good action scenes toward the end, but it, it's nothing more than than a follow-up to an average action movie anyway. So it's getting a 6 out of 10. I mean, Denzel is is, is brilliant. Like, let's see. He could make anything good for me. And this is kind of, it feels like if this wasn't Denzel Washington, it would be almost not worth watching. So that's where you're at with this movie. 6 out of 10. Next up, another sequel that's followed on from a original film from years ago. This is The Incredibles 2. Obviously, The Incredibles were a superhero cartoon family. And I think at the end of the last one, they obviously saved the world, as most superheroes do. And this one follows them in... It's a decline for the, for the role of the superhero in society. There's obviously talk of that they should go, they should go away. They shouldn't be around because they're making too much um, disaster. Uh, there's, there's too much damage around them, and it's how they bounce back from that. And effectively, the mum of the group uh, is forced into being the one person that the press want to involve, so that they can get the good reputation for superheroes back. It's a decent enough storyline, I guess. The only real problem I had with it was the fact that it was just so predictable. You could see what they were doing a mile off from, from the very beginning. Um, so it, it kind of felt a little bit like, okay, I, I get what you've done. And again, because of that, it just feels like the sequel has its on its own... I don't know. I I just feel like I I'm not a massive fan of the of the first one. I know some people absolutely love it, and that's probably why I was a little bit like, oh, okay, it's all right. Um, and I'm gonna give it the exact same score I gave the first one, which is a seven out of ten, and I think that's about right. It's funny in parts. It's decent animation, but that's about it. Next up was a little film about a little man. Uh, this was a look at the life of French actor Hervé Villachase, and it was called My Dinner with Herve. And it's the story of a journalist who goes to California. He's supposed to be interviewing him, and somehow he gets almost pulled into this mad little world 
that Hervey has surrounded himself in. Now, Hervey was a star in the 70s in Fantasy Island. It's not something that I particularly know. I don't really know the guy, who the guy is, to be fair, but he, he was um, in the James Bond movie at one point as well. So he was quite a famous guy in the 70s, but obviously since then, you know, he's fell on hard times. He's not getting much work. Uh, and the work that he is getting is maybe not not what he really wants. He wants to be a star again. And it's all about how he's dealing with it. And it, he's not dealing with it very well. Um, and without really telling you too much, I mean, it, it's obviously publicly known anyway, but Hervé ended up uh, committing suicide. Um, so it's about how you, you see the, the guy and why that happens towards the end and it's really really interesting actually and I thought the relationship between the two the journalist and Hervey was produced and directed really really well now obviously that goes a lot to Sasha Gervaisi who was the director but also a lot of credit needs to go to Peter Dinklage who plays Hervey and Jamie Dornan who plays Danny who was the journalist I thought it was it was good it was funny in parts it was really sad in parts and just a really good film so again seven out of ten uh next up sound the guilty pleasure klaxon i i'm gonna talk about crazy rich asians which was basically love actually set in singapore <laughs> that's what it felt like but it was actually okay i mean it's certainly you know, a love flick, a chick flick like that is never going to reach the upper echelons of eights, nines, tens out, you know, in rating. But, you know, I thought it was actually quite a decent movie. It was it was worth a watch, I guess. Some of it, you know, it's so cheesy films like that that you kind of have to know what you're getting involved with. You're never going to expect they're gonna, there's going to be too much twisting going on with the plot line. But, Generally, quite a decent, heartfelt rom-com. Um, if, if you want to watch a decent rom-com, then Crazy Rich Asians might be just up your street. I gave it a 6 out of 10. And far away from a rom-com was the festival film that came out this year. Um, basically, the same kind of makers and producers of The Inbetweeners, which is a British comedy show featuring four young lads who were in school and it's very much boy school humor again the festival follows on from that he goes to a festival he's just broke up with his girlfriend and he gets into all sorts of scrapes uh i thought it was actually quite funny though i mean you again realistically same as the last film you're never going to expect this one to rate too highly but you just want a film that's a bit of fodder for for you know two hours out your life and this is what it, it serves a purpose it makes you laugh in some parts some of it is quite cringy there's a particularly funny scene with a guy who takes ketamine at the festival, which obviously if you've ever been to a Glastonbury or something, you probably recognise a few of the characters in this. Um, you know, six out of ten, it's funny. That's about it. Staying on the guilty pleasure theme, we're going to talk about a film called Dumpling, which follows a girl called Willow Dean whose nickname is Dumplin, hence the title of the film. And she's a larger-sized kind of teenage girl whose mum is like a famous pageant queen, runs her own pageant. And it's about her kind of V's up to her mum saying, I'm going to enter your pageant and I'm going to, you know, ruin your pageant because you've never loved me because I'm not a pageant girl. So obviously there's the message in there. Now, 
Again, realistically, this has no right to be a proper good movie, but actually, it kind of won me over. I thought the it was really good comedy in there. Jennifer Aniston plays the mum. She's really good. And it's a girl called Danielle McDonald who plays Willow Dean, who was fantastic in this movie. And she then, you know, it's her relationship with her, like, other friends who kind of get involved as well. And by the end, you're just rooting for them all. And it's one of those films where you just expect, obviously, the story is going to be she wins at the end. Not to spoil it, but it doesn't quite go the way you think it's going to go. And really good film, actually. If you find the time to watch it, it's on Netflix. It's called Dumpling. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Following on with another movie that I didn't expect to like quite as much as it did was the Christopher Robin movie. Now, don't slate my childhood. I had a really good one. I just didn't really know Winnie the Pooh. It's not something that was... I'm sure I was read it. I'm sure I'd seen it in my childhood. But for some reason, it's not one that I particularly hold dear to my heart. Having said that, I absolutely loved this. <laughs> and maybe that's why. Maybe some authentic Winnie the Pooh fans will be like, oh, this is not good. But I thought the way they produced this was really good. So it basically follows the gang, Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore, and all the rest. And it's about how... Christopher Robin's all grown up and he's forgot them and he's he's serious now. He's got a serious job and he can't have fun anymore with his own family. And it's about how all of that comes together so that he then starts seeing Winnie the Pooh again and he brings the fun back out of him. And it's just a proper good family film. And I now like Winnie the Pooh. I mean, there's the testament to that. So there's a 7 out of 10 just for that. Uh, next up is uh, Simple Favour, and this focuses on a mum who's a bit of a proper mum. She does podcasts about being a mum. She's very innocent, uh, doesn't really have much of a life other than being a mum herself. Uh, and she ends up, you know, she always wants to do the school run. She wants to do all the activities in school, and she meets this other mum of a, a, a uh, who's her kid's best mate's mum, and she's just like the rock and roll mum. She's never there. She, she's working in the city. She's a fashion person. And, you know, when they meet, she's like offering her cocktails while the kids play. She's a bit of a rebel. And it's basically about how the kind of odd relationship grows, and then all of a sudden, the rock and roll mum goes missing. And then suddenly she is thrust into this world where she's, looking for this person and no one else seems to be doing it so she does it on her own back she ends up forming relationships with the rock and roll mum's husband it's it's an interesting movie and it, it, it as much as beforehand i was hearing that there was all this stuff about oh it's not what you expect and there's there's twists in there and there is it's a fairly decent twist uh, you know but at the same time it's not what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be a lot better than, than I thought. But it is a good film. Uh, good comedy in it. Some good drama in it. A decent enough twist. So I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. What do you think so far, Rory? A lot of 7 out of 10s. You, you're probably right. That shows the consistency of the films I've watched recently. Which was, which was what, what films have you been watching? Oh, Bandersnatch. Frosties, Sugar Puffs, oh, 
You devil, you. Oh, well, well, let's talk about Bandersnatch, seeing as you've mentioned it. This was a new concept on Netflix. It's from the Black Mirror series. It's basically, you know, if you know Black Mirror, you know it's going to be slightly odd. It definitely falls into that category. There's, It's a new concept of film, and I love that. It wasn't the best storyline, is what I would say. I get it. Like, it's a new concept, so it's about that more than it probably was about being the best Black Mirror ever. And the concept is brilliant. The, the aspect of those old computer games where you pick options, uh, you know, those old storybooks where you would pick an option and that would have give you a different ending or a different part to the, to the movie. I absolutely loved that part of it. It was really engaging, you know... At, as Rory's just said, you pick, you know, between Frosties and Sugar Puffs at the start. And it starts off very gentle stuff like, you know, picking what song you want to listen to. And then all of a sudden they get a lot more like, uh, you know, are you going to do something proper serious? Or, or you know, do you want to talk about in-depth things about your past? And it, it's, it was brilliant. I mean, it took us probably about an hour and a half or maybe two hours to get through all of all of the scenarios. You can apparently get through it in 40 minutes, which would rob you of the experience, I think. I, I certainly tried to go through the different methods and it would keep throwing you back to certain things and then it would slightly adjust certain things. I, I thought the concept is absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to see what other people do with this sort of engagement in storytelling through film now. I think it's opened the door. You've got to give Black Mirror a massive, massive congratulations for that. I can't believe it's not been done sooner, is what I would say. I mean, the idea has been there for decades going back to those old... I remember playing a Famous Five game way back in the day where you had to pick which direction you went in on the fork in the road, and it was obviously then come with different outcomes. You think of the old... Um, that scene in Big where he's playing, you know, oh, release firm or pod or whatever it is. And that this opens the door now for more filmmakers, more TV makers to make something that you can pick your destiny when you're going through it. So as much as I don't think it was the best story I've seen in the Black Mirror series, Bandersnatch is the starting point now for more people to, to develop that way of, of producing something on screen. And for that reason, it's getting a 7 out of 10. I also watched a film called The House That Jack Built. I'm not going to spend long on this. It's a film that you would just have to see to, to understand the kind of weird atmosphere it builds up. It's got uh, Matt Dillon as the main guy who's a serial killer, and it's all about how you see him progress through you know, his first incident where he kills someone to what it builds up into, which is you know, eventually I think he, he mentions that he's killed 62 people. Um, and... There's a particular scene in it where he stores all the bodies in sort of this kind of freezer thing and you can see the cops are kind of coming towards, like starting to get towards him. And he does something with the bodies, which is just unreal. And then the whole scene de de 
descends into kind of madness and it's all about how you feel like he's being tucked to the underworld by this other character who speaks throughout the whole film, kind of converses with him about his actions. And at first you think, oh, is he in confession with a priest? Um, or is he with a therapist or something like that? And it ends up being something a little bit more uh, dark. I actually really enjoyed it, but at the same time, it was just such an odd watch. Uh, but really, really well presented, I guess. Uh, the director is Lars von Trier, and I think he should get plaudits just for the audacity to put some of the stuff on screen. And actually, without sounding too weird, he almost makes it quite funny in parts, even though it's so macabre. Um, so fair play to him, but a 6 out of 10 for me. And nearly there now, we're on to the final straight. We're going to talk about Ralph Breaks the Internet next. I actually really enjoyed this. Um, I wasn't expecting it. I'd seen the trailers. I really didn't like them. I thought it was going to be way too cheesy. I thought the jokes were going to fall on its arse. Effectively, if you know uh, the first one, it was called Wreck-It Ralph, and it was about his experience of being it, it, it within a game, and then he... he goes into other games and uh, you know ends up finding this person that he gets on really well with and it's about those two again and their relationship it obviously starts off it shows that how happy they are but then uh, for some reason or another sugar rush which is the game his mate comes out of um that breaks because of ralph trying to help her and they go into the internet to find a spare part to fix the game Along the way, she realises she finds this other game that she, she likes even more. And it, it, I actually have to give the writers credit here. This should have been a disaster using so much of, you know, famous internet sites. I thought, how are they going to make jokes out of this? But they, they really did pull it off. I mean, I was flabbergasted, really, at how they managed to get humour out of something just like knows more the, the search engine basically predicting what they were going to say it was it was such an easy joke to make but at the same time pulled off massively well you know even just the look of ebay it was like separate auctions going on all around him i thought the whole look of the film looked actually fantastic and the jokes in it were brilliant so they're going around the internet and they're getting hassled by pop-ups and it's just fantastic really really funny um, yeah, it's not going to win any major awards, but actually, if you just want to laugh for two hours, it is well worth a watch. And you know, it's you've got John C. Riley as Ralph back. Uh, Sarah Silverman plays uh, Vanellope, who are the two main characters. Really good voice acting from both, and a really good follow-on actually. And it surprised me. I thought it was going to be an absolute shitter this one, and they pulled it off. Really well played. Seven out of ten. And last but certainly not least was a film called Green Book. This, I, honest to God, I knew I was going to like this before I went into it. I just didn't know how much I was going to like it. It's all about a working class Italian-American bouncer uh, for a nightclub. He then becomes the driver for this African-American classical pianist. And it's all about a tour they do in the 1960s through Southern America. So you can already see it's going to be about civil rights. It's going to be about how we anticipate the stereotypes of an Italian-American bouncer and his relationship with this black pianist. And it's just so, so good. Really funny. 
and really, really good emotions all the way through it. And I honestly loved it. I thought the story was fantastic. You honestly feel every single part of this movie. You know, the bits where they go into the south and the uh, the two are separated and where they're staying. So Tony, who's the Italian-American, can stay in better places than Don Shirley can, who's the pianist who's being asked to play in some of these places, won't let him into the restaurant. Uh, you get the drift. It's going to be all about race and alongside that they managed to get this really really good funny heartfelt movie in there and this was my film of the entire festive period I've, obviously it's not a festive film but it's one i watched over that period I, it knocked me out i i thought it was really good i, I gave it a nine out of ten and that's about that really um a lot of films to ingest i know and what do you think rory what was your favorite of the uh festive period that you watched Oh yeah, I do. I do like Land Before Time, but we're talking about um, recent films. You just watched Jurassic Park again, didn't you? Jurassic Park Three. Oh, I don't know. I think he's a bit of an ego. This one, actually, I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure about you, Rory. Do you want to come back on? Oh, that'd be that'd be lovely. That. Yeah, bring your egg. Bring bring the egg. Okay. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to say goodbye to Rory now. That was Rory the Dinosaur, everyone. Fantastic. I mean, who'd have thought we'd get so much entertainment out of a mute ventriloquist dinosaur? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But we're going to end the episode with what we do every episode, so far anyway. We are going to play the Master of Movies game! Master! Master! Master of Movies is a game we play Guessing the movie from lines he sells Acting out scenes in a one-man show You know the rules, so now let's go Master! Master! So you should know the rules by now. This is the Master of Movies game. This is the game where I act out in a one-man show a famous film scene. And usually... To disguise what the film is, I put on a stupid accent so that obviously you have to make a little bit more hard work. Now, if you guessed from the last episode, Escape to New York, you will be right. Well done. Big round of applause there. But let's move on and get what we are going to do today. Now, we have obviously just gone through the festive period. So this is one that I particularly like to watch around the festive period. So let's see if you can guess what I am doing in the style of Cockney. Okay, I'll talk. In third grade, I cheated on my history exam. In fourth grade, I stole my uncle Max's toupee and I glued it on my face when I played Moses in my Hebrew school play. In fifth grade, I knocked my sister Edie downstairs and I blamed it on the dog. When my mum sent me to the summer camp for fat kids and then they served lunch, I got nuts and I picked out and they kicked me out. But the worst thing I ever done, I mixed a pot of fake puke at home and then I went to this movie theatre. I hid the puke in my jacket, climbed up to the balcony and then I made a noise like this. <laughs> Ugh. 
I dumped it over the side, all over the people in the audience. And then, this was horrible, right? All the people started getting sick and throwing up all over each other. I've never felt so bad in my entire life. about does us for this month's episode thank you very much for joining me and rory obviously big round of applause for rory the mute dinosaur uh and hopefully you'll join us on the next episode where you will find out the answer to that fantastic little game we've just played where i did a poor imitation of michael kane thank you very much for coming and to play you out, we've got C6 Steve again. We keep talking, nerdy.